Book Guys show is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash bookguys and get a free book like Ender's Game Alive just for signing up for a free trial. My name is Paul Alvey, sometimes known as Paul the Book Guy. Joined today by co-host Sir, Sir Jimmy. Jimmy. Hey, doing, Sir great Jimmy? to be back in audio only. In the theater of the mind. <laughs> and you know, Jimmy, we have no choice actually soon because January 1st, Microsoft is killing the what's called the API for Skype. So all of the add-ons for Skype that wonderfully talented people have made for Skype will stop working. So the technology that allows us to record five videos in, in HD quality is, is going to be gone. I understand that the NSA is involved, and uh, I'm, that's, <laughs> that's all right. I want to say. That's why they want to make the pipes bigger, right? So the NSA can record everything. So the, you know, Microsoft's helping them out by killing our video conversation. Well, I, see, I heard, <laughs> I heard that Microsoft was actually threatened by the book guy's show, and they wanted to <laughs> shut it down. Oh, my God. Is that Bill Meeks from Meeks Mixed Media joining us on the book guy? <laughs> that is. How, how you doing, Bill? Good, good. Sorry, I, I, I know I should have waited for you to properly introduce me, but it was too good of a line to pass up. You know? There are no rules. <laughs> there are no rules here, sir. There's no teleprompters. There's no script. This is all casual and unrehearsed conversation all the time, my friend. How are you doing? Excellent, excellent. Uh, casual and unrehearsed, huh? I guess I should go ahead and put uh, the script away then. Put script away. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> I almost choked. <coughs> oh. On my yeah, drink. it's been a, been a while. So yeah, we got some, a bunch of stuff going on. Um, we're going to talk about your new project mm-hmm. of shortly, but you know what? We're going to start off by talking about this science fiction. Just while well, it's you know fresh in our minds, Sir Jimmy, uh, I know you and I have both read Ender's Game. Yes. We've listened to Ender's Game Alive, which I now agree with Orson Scott Card is the best iteration of that story ever. It's six-hour audio drama. Yes, it is the definitive. The definitive, yes. <laughs> and you can go Audible Trial. No, you can go to audible.com slash bookguys or audibletrial.com slash bookguys, I should say. And, uh, and you can get that for free just for trying them out. But um, I really enjoyed that, that six hours. They have like, like 20 different... You know, narrators, uh, they really uh, distill the story down to a six-hour. You know, if you read the book, it's going to be like 20 hours, right? That's right. Or even, what was the original audio book? I think it was like uh, 16 was like hours, something like that? 12, 13 hours. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even recall. It was it was uh, such a pleasure-filled time. I, I wished it was longer, sort of like the way with the audio drama. I was like, oh, wow, why can't they just And, and you know, I haven't, I haven't looked into it, but one of the characters there, I could swear he was the fish from uh, American Dad. <laughs> the only voice that I recognize from all of them, well, other than hearing Gabrielle and uh, the, uh, the one guy with the real deep voice, that guy from the other <laughs> audiobooks is the guy who played uh, Dap. And I, 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 can, I envisioned him... In my mind, every time I heard him talking, only because I've seen him in movies and whatnot, and he's uh, yeah. he's like a bald guy, like a character actor, and you know, it, it's funny. I hate to say this, but it kind of pulled me out of because nobody else is beside Gabrielle's face is in my head. So I imagine <laughs> the characters as people that 
I imagined them as from the beginning. I, I still got to look into it. I'm pretty sure Klaus, the goldfish from uh, from American Dad, Seth uh, MacFarlane's <laughs> show, is definitely one of the, uh, if not, he's a dead ringer audio-wise. Um, but now, I, I've seen the movie. Uh, I have too. And you've seen it as well. Now, I got to say, they did a pretty good job distilling the, the, the whole thing down to like, you know, 90 minutes. But there's so many little little things. It wasn't the fact that they cut. I know they have to cut out a bunch of stuff to make a movie from this, you know, epic uh, book. But little things like uh, the uh, spoiler alert. Hang on, where's our? I'm gonna find cloister bell. I haven't done this audio thing in a while. Cloister <laughs> bell. I don't even have the cloister bell up. I was boom. Okay, cl- but I tell you what, spoiler. I was down oh. for a, maybe a two hour and fifteen minute movie as there opposed <laughs> to trying to squeeze it into an hour and 35, 40 minutes. You know, no, but it, it wasn't even for me, uh, Sir Jimmy. I, I I watched it, you know, and, and I said, it's not even uh, a matter of shortness of time or, or cutting things for time because they could have done a lot of things better with the time they had i'm going to start off with one of the most fun things in the whole book to me was that the kids in the uh you know when they're in the room doing the battle uh you know battle games that they're doing the room in the zero gravity room they didn't have a weapon their weapon was their suit was their hand if they made a little gun with their hands you know like we used to do in the playground when we were kids and it wasn't illegal <laughs> Yeah. You know, a pew pew pew. That's yeah. their hand became the gun. How cool was that? That was one of the coolest, most interesting original concepts I've ever heard. You know, one day I hope cops have this. They just make their hand into a little gun shape, and the gun shows up. Right? Sure. It was like the the suit that they were wearing was that futuristic that that was all built in. It was like uh, they had you know. Right. Uh, I and especially for it them sort of being like, kids, uh, right? Um. What what? I don't know why it just left my mind, but uh, fiber optic. That's what I imagined it was like fiber optic. You know, light coming out of the, right. the fingertips. Right, it's it's described in the book as you know the kids form a little gun with their hand. Like usually, you know, I know in the states, but in Canada, we use two fingers and a thumb. You yeah. know, because it has to be a big barrel, right? So well, that that's it. But you know, <laughs> I've always had a problem with that because your thumb isn't what makes the gun go off. It's your it's your right. trigger finger. So. But I understand. That's just. But I, I know kids get arrested and shot now for doing that in the schoolyard. But uh, maybe maybe it has something to do with that. Like maybe the this big media company that's putting out this movie didn't want, you know, they, or they were told not to to show this because I mean it's prevalent now in society that the kids are told don't make a gun sign. Like there's a kid made a gun. Out of a, a, a fra- I swear to God, a Kellogg's Pop-Tart who got suspended oh, for a week. Oh, because he nibbled oh, it the geez. wrong way? He nibbled into the shape of a gun. Like We're, we're getting to this uh, pacification society now that where you know, no one should be able to have a weapon other than police and army. But uh, I don't think it's pacification. I think you need to replace the A with oh, yes, the U. Yes, a pussification. But, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there was, I had a, there, there was a lot of things about this movie that they Hollywoodized and liberalized and got rid of, you know, with well, the, you know, the, the, the mind, the mind game where he, you know, the, no one's ever passed the giant with the drinks in this mind yes. game <laughs> and add five seconds, not even replace five seconds in that movie. And you never got a, a feel that, Hey, Ender was the first guy to pass this, like add 30 seconds to the movie. And now you know that Ender is special kid because he passed this point in that game. And it was supposed to be like a Kobayashi Maru, right? Where Captain Kirk had to cheat to get through that because it was an unwinnable scenario. 
that was what this mind game was supposed to be an unwinnable scenario. And it was amazing that Ender is so brilliant that he passed this unwinnable scenario and the game kept going. Yeah. Um, the audio drama gave a much, much more rich treatment to that oh, yes. aspect. You know, oh, this yes. book has a lot of correlation uh, with the Hunger Games for me, from the book to the movie adaptation, where the entire beginning and uh, of the story that shows, hey, um, here's what's going on and here's why this is happening. And then it's just like it starts out, boom, Hunger Games. Hey, everybody's yeah. here at the Hunger Games. We're fighting. And it's like you never uh, got a sense Ender's that, game. that goes, Ender hey, was they're uh, on a spaceship going up to space. You never got a sense that the kids were precocious or, or really smart. You never got no. a sense that Ender was really smart. You never got a sense. The basic premise of the whole thing is that Ender is the runt of the litter. He's taller than most of the kids in the movie, for freak's sake. Yeah, and, and me and my me and my son Nobot, we both had a big problem with uh, Bonzo Madrid being a little short yeah, guy, he's he's smaller than him. <laughs> my, my, I understand the kid had the look of somebody that you're born to hate, but put some yeah, lifts no. in the kid's shoes or something. <laughs> he's God supposed sake. to be like one of the biggest, right? Most uh, imposing characters and all things. First of all, Andrew's supposed to be the run to the litter. The only smaller guy than him is supposed to be Bean. Yep. Right. So whoever the casting person is that made the decision to to have Ender be one of the taller kids in the movie here. Douchebag. Awful. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. Um, Mrs. Sir Jimmy had yes. never read the books, never listened to the audio drama, watched the movie, liked it. Right. So I can, let's I can assume see that. that. Like I said, they did a pretty good job. 90% of the people job. in the country have never read it. Yes. But now, now I don't know. Right is decision. Mrs. Sir Jimmy much of an audio listener? Not so much. No, because it would be nice to get her her thoughts after spending six hours with uh, the lovely audiobook from Skyboat Media. And, and and Bill, I know we were talking before the show, and you were like, "Were you guys shilling? We're not shilling. You know what? We're, we're not <laughs> no, paid I just by Skyboat." You didn't mention it a lot, so <laughs> that's all. Just because we, had, I, I, well, I personally, I'm not going to speak for the co-hosts, some of them who aren't here. Uh, I adore the, the, the story. Um, I've had to defend Orson Scott Card many occasions. People talk about his personal preferences and mm -hmm. uh, certain political and things he said about, uh, you know, homosexuals, whatever. That's his, you know, personal life. I don't care. You know, much yeah. like I'm from Toronto. I mean, the guy's a Mormon. <laughs> I'm from Toronto. You know what? I support Mayor Rob Ford because he's a fisc fiscally responsible, you know, uh, mayor. That's a, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's a whole other podcast. But... You know what? His work is wonderful. His writing is wonderful. Uh, I really enjoyed Ender's Game, even as an, I, I read it as an adult. I wasn't a young adult or a kid. I really enjoyed uh, the whole Ender's Enderverse series, and um, I don't even know what to say. It's <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't uh, got a chance to check it out yet. I think uh, Sir Jimmy said he might be shipping me a little special surprise, though, right? That's right. You, I'm sending it to 5505 Amsterdam Avenue in Amsterdam, <gasps> Netherlands. Dude, you gave out my address. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, that's not my address. <laughs> it's fine. Hey, Sir Jimmy, while we're talking, could you uh, possibly look up who plays Klaus the fish in uh, American Dad? <laughs> who plays the Klaus fish? Woo. The Klaus fish. <laughs> Do you have a sounder for that? <laughs> no. You should. <laughs> we should. And I think Sir Jimmy just uh, made it. <laughs> uh, I'm mean, fish, American Dad. 
But if you, no, I, if a I lot of people will it, have enjoyed uh, the, I, the movie. Oh, sorry. Uh, but I heard about the controversy, and it seemed like the situation was that, you know, he basically wasn't going to be making any money off of the movie anyway. So any boycott that you might be doing, uh, it, it really wouldn't be affecting the pocketbook of the guy that you disagree with, which, I mean, I, I, I definitely disagree with that point of view as right. well. But, uh, you well, know, you know, you know, it seems you know a little say, silly Bill, to boycott uh, a movie that doesn't involve him really. Yeah. Anymore, you know? As an author, Bill, you should never sign the first contract. That's what they call the <laughs> dummy contract. Only yeah, dummies the, sign the first one that you, they send you. Good, good to know. Good to know. I, I should get some notes out here because you guys have talked to a lot of authors, right? So I should probably get some advice from you too, right? Well, that's what we were told. I forgot who, who said that to us. But um, the first contract is what they call in the industry. I didn't make this up. It's called the dummy contract. So if you sign it, you're a dummy. So you got to get a lawyer or someone to look at it and, and you know cross things out, whatever. And, and you know, him giving up his movie rights back in the 70s or 80s, whenever it happened, Yeah. to him at the time, it was like, yeah, whatever. Oh, this is great. I'm getting all this money from a book mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and movie. He's like, well, it's never going to be a movie, so I'll sign it away. But now that this movie is going to be making millions of dollars. <laughs> you know. All right. So the guy who does the fish, his name is D. D-E-E, Bradley Baker. Okay, and if so you Google D. Bradley Baker Ender's Game, some photos and stuff comes up. So I think you're right. Okay, because he's not in, he, he plays a small part, but he's not in on the, um, on the text on the back of the audiobook anyways, on the physical audiobook. But, the, you know, at the end of that listing of uh, narrators, it says, and a full cast. So you never know, he <laughs> might be the man. We got to ask Gabriel DeCuir, or DeCuir, depending on how you pronounce it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a point of contention. You know, I, the cure, the cure. I, I call it the cure. She called herself the cure. And then on the audiobook, uh, our good friend St- uh, Scott Brick says the queer. I don't know, whatever. Hey, maybe this has something to do with Orson Scott Card. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just a controversy, uh, you know, machine. And Orson, if you're still listening, I want to reply back. I want I want Orson Scott Card to play himself. In our audio drama, which we'll talk about later in the show, <laughs> <laughs> but but hey, let's let's talk to Bill Meeks from Meeks Mixed Media, which just rolls off the tongue uh, about yes, his new project. Tell us all of what is your new project, sir. You've always got something in the fire. You always got a couple, you know, sticks in the mm-hmm. fire. I I I really don't know. I, I it's like I'm holding it right now. It's like. It's a thing that's bound with a bunch of pages and it's glued <laughs> in there. <laughs> and it has my name on it. Let's but it. I, I, I don't know. I guess you might call it a novel that <laughs> nice. I wrote. How <laughs> <Possibly>. novel? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let me read the description here. Um, it says something about Dog Boy, uh, Den of Thieves, Orphan, Superhero Thief. Weird. I don't know. I don't know. Have you guys read it? <laughs> Not yet, sir. Not yet. No, it's a superhero novel, uh, basically. Um, it's a kind of inspired by some of the classic boys' adventures of the 50s and 60s, like Hardy Boys, Encyclopedia mm-hmm. Brown, Danny Dunn, if you're familiar with that. Not a lot of people are, but it was something I used to read all the time because my local library had it. Uh, but, you know, just those kind of adventures where, you know, little boys would go off by themselves and get into right. mischief and handle weapons <laughs> and all sorts of stuff. And uh, basically, uh, this kid named Bronson Black, 13 years old, he gets orphaned and uh, he gets uh, left to his uh, uncle Randolph, who he's never met, and moves to the big city from a small town. 
And uh, then uh, his father also leaves him a, a trunk filled with magic tricks because his father was a magician and a mask and cape. And uh, so Bronson decides to become Dog Boy and fight crime in Colta City. And he basically he uh, sneaks out of his room, you know, to fight crime. And he eventually gets mixed up with a group called the Guild of Thieves, uh, which is a organization of pickpockets that live underneath the streets of Colta City in the old. And I need to take a breath. <laughs> I tried to get in as much as possible. Uh, fan- fantastic. Now, uh, when when is the book out? Uh, the book is out now. Actually, I have it. I have it out on all of the uh, major platforms: Nook, Kindle, um, uh, paperback. I have a paperback edition. Like I said, I'm holding it. I I, I have a a store link at DogBoyAdventures.com. That you can click on and get links to all of the various uh, different outlets, or you can just go to Amazon, type in "Dog Boy." Amazon's the big boy, so yeah. you know if you're looking for a way to support the book or get the book and su- probably Amazon's the best bet because it has the most exposure. You know. Yeah. Let me ask you, Bill: Is it a, is the book available on FreeHollowBooks.com yet? It is not. It is not. I wish I knew someone who I could talk to to negotiate <laughs> that. I, I mean, right, obviously, well. I wouldn't accept the first contract. Well, no, sure. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because that's the dummy contract. Because that's what you I have written down on my notes here. <laughs> We're all learning together. <laughs> we are learning. Now, actually, I, I did. Uh, sorry about my mic there. Um, oh, but hey, I let me have a, mine. a question for you, you guys. This is actually my first author interview. So awesome. uh, since you since you guys have interviewed a lot of authors, do you have any advice for me as an author for this one or you know ones in the future? Obviously, this one you might be a little biased in your advice. But, you know, just in general, too. Just be yourself, man. Just be yourself. Be myself? Okay, cool. Cool. <laughs> You're good. So, uh, you, and- you, guys, you, you guys got some weed? No. <laughs> <laughs> you said the magic word, Bill. Weed. <laughs> no, Bill, just be yourself and don't give a 30-minute answer to a... 10 second question that's all <laughs> oh okay did, did i do that did i see the thing the thing that no no me, no you didn't do that you're, you're you're spot on man you're spot on you're good see the thing that's rough about it is you know is being the person who wrote the book i have you know 302 pages crammed into my head so anytime you say dog boy 302 <laughs> pages of information just wants to like oh. Go out. <laughs> One of the problems I found, and, and I, I've never successfully published a novel, really, uh, and that's why uh, we'll talk about later in the show that I'm, I'm converting my unfinished novel into an audio drama, which uh, everyone present is going to be a part of. One of the problems is, you know what's going on in the story, and you always got to get an editor, because an editor will say, well, what the F is going on in this scene? You know what's going on, but maybe you might not have put it all down on the page. <laughs> you thought you did. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because, you, you know, the 10% that you left off the page was essential to understand <laughs> what right. the heck was happening. So right? so did, did you have any help uh, through the process of writing this? I did, actually. I had a, a wonderful uh, person I got hooked up with, uh, actually, through the writing subreddit on Reddit. Reddit uh, is great. It, Love Reddit. But uh, her name's uh, Roxana Usher. She mainly does... Uh, she she does uh, technical editing because that's kind of what pays the bills. But right. she went to school to edit prose, like you know, a novel right. or short stories or whatever. So, you know, I, I worked with her. We went back for, back and forth a couple of different times. So her first pass was mainly, you know, 
making sure I was using the right there, making sure everyone's <laughs> yes. names were yes. spelled correctly, all that stuff. The, the, the tenses, the second, you know, past, yeah, then, future, you know, first person. Exactly. Yeah. And then the second pass was more of a content pass and a, and a continuity pass where, like, for example, there's, there's a kiss that happens in the book and it's mentioned that someone's one of the people who involved in the kiss, their breath sm- tastes like mint, where a minute earlier someone passed them a protein bar that had peanuts in it. Which right. obviously your breath wanna taste like mint after that, so I went back and changed it to a peppermint patty. It's always good you to know. have that editor like uh, going you know, flying all the way back to the Ender's Game movie. Someone should have told the people writing the script that the food in Ender's Game on the space station tastes like shit. Yes. So that whole scene where Ender's eating that little chocolate bar and going, hmm. Yeah, it's but you good. can't. You can't. We can't keep going back to that well because <laughs> the people in Hollywood didn't give a shit about the people who read the book. Okay, we, we, we already said, said flying shit. back. Hang on, Sir Jim. We edited. said shit twice. If we say shit at least uh, two more times, we'll be explicit. So, okay, let's Settle keep down. it. But you said flying back in the editor, and that reminds me of when we had Dan Hampton, a Viper pilot, yeah. on the podcast, and uh, he talked about his initial hatred for the editor and how he grew (laughs) to love the editor and saw that their, you know, their role was just such an important part of the process. And now they're like super good friends. So, so Bill, like uh, I'm going to say that for the, like maybe the fifth time on this podcast, but we always have new listeners. So you have to reiterate things sometimes. Uh, It was Stephen King who said, you're not going to kill your own babies. You have to have mm-hmm. someone kill them for you. So an editor is the kind of person that will tell you, Bill, uh, chapter five, yeah, what's wrong with it? Uh, get rid of it. It's useless. Oh, yeah. You know. See, see, I actually did. I, not only did I pay an editor to go through it, but after uh, between edits, actually, I paid a few different people that I got off a site called Elance to actually go through and critique the novel. For oh, me. tell us about the site. Uh, sounds helpful. Uh, uh, Elance, it's it's basically I used to, when I was a freelancer, uh, you know, over a year ago is when I, when I gave up the freelancing, but it's where I got a lot of my jobs. It's basically you can post all sorts of jobs, you know, uh, if you need artwork, a website, writing, right. editing, okay. and there are people on there who do literary cr- critiques too. So instead of getting beta readers uh, or people who knew me who might be like, oh, well, I don't want to say that. That Biased, would hurt his feelings. Yeah. Biased, I yeah. I paid these people to tell me how much I suck, and I think it really helped the book yeah. in the long run, for for sure. Because yeah, you can't you can't. It's really hard to get an outside perspective when you're so into it were and you, into um, the story and thinking about it twelve hours a day. Were you hurt and, by any of the changes that were uh, recommended? No, not really. Because I I mean I come from a theater background, right. and I spent. I've spent the past five years making videos and stuff for clients who, you know, aren't always the kindest. Because, and I mean, that's expected because they're giving you money; they want a good product, right? But uh, what? So I, I have a pretty thick skin. If someone tells me something sucks, I, I can evaluate that criticism objectively and decide right. whether I want to use it or not. And if more than uh, like two or three people say the same thing, then yeah, definitely that needs to change. Yeah. So, so you know, I have a pretty thick skin. You know, some th- some things hurt because, uh, you know, on occasion, like I would throw in a little thing that was like kind of like a personal from the heart kind of nod to my past or something. And they were like, yeah, that sucks. And I don't want to cut that because that was a reference to X or right. Y. But it, 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 at the end of the day, you have to do what's right for the story. Right. Absolutely. So how long has this been brewing in your mind, this story? Oh, geez. That's the that's the big question, isn't it? Uh, 
No, about actually, uh, if I'm going to be honest, about 10 years, all told. Wow. Because it started as a short story, a little like 4,000 word short story called Primitive Hearts that I wrote in my, uh, my, my creative writing class in college in 2003. And then, you know, I, I used it, I developed it a little then, and I submitted it to Marvel was doing this kind of like open submissions process. Right. Uh, so I converted it to a comic book script. And I sent it into them, and I had some meetings with them. Actually, I went up to New York, and I had a couple meetings with them. And they eventually didn't go with it, and it got tied up with them for two years because I, you know, accepted the meeting and signed uh, the dummy contract, (laughs) (laughs) more or less. (laughs) And uh, then, you know, it eventually uh, got back to me, and uh, so then I I used uh, the short story as a jumping-off point to write a screenplay in 2005. I uh, called the Fantabulous Adventure of Dog Boy, and <laughs> well, uh, it was ba- it was more or less this story. Uh, but uh, th- this fleshes us out a lot more. And I wrote that screenplay, and I was in Hollywood at the time. I, I was living out out in L.A. Ooh, and I, fancy! I, <laughs> <laughs> and I took some meetings. I, it got me an agent, which got me a couple other things, and I, things were working. And then they didn't happen, and uh, someone optioned it, and it tied it up for another year or two. And uh, then I got it back, and I was like, you know what? I should write a book for that. And then I promptly didn't do anything for five or six years and got married and had a family yeah. <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, then last year I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down. I'm going to do it. And uh, I it. sat down, and I wrote the rough draft, and I spent about the past year uh, refining it and getting it ready, and it's out. And now, I'm like, now, for, oh, my for God. For the folks at home who don't realize how talented this man is that we're talking to right now, he is uh, <laughs> not only a writer, he's also... Uh, you know, he's been in theater, but he's also the man who did the whole animation for the Book Guys show intro, the one for our video show. This That's is true. Bill Meeks from Meeks Mixed Media. Now, Bill, well, I hope you'll stick around for a little bit. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm okay. here for the long haul, Paul. Excellent. Excellent. We'll, we'll give out again your address for where, where folks can find your wonderful story. Uh, but I know that Sir Jimmy, it's date night, and I don't want to piss off. Mr. Jimmy, because one day I am going to go down to North Carolina and I don't want her to, to mix you know, some extra ghost pepper into my food when I'm there. Well, I, I just texted her and you I know. said, are you ready? She says, not yet. Watching my show, it won't take me long. So uh, <laughs> mm, I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. But but, but let's we take wanna, a short break. We don't want to keep you from, uh, from date night, so we're going to take a short break. Thank you, Sir Jimmy. We'll see you next week. And you were right, Sir Jimmy. Going back to audio is so much more fun. We're so much more oh, relaxed. I love it. So We've all fun. got faces for audio. <laughs> I, miss I don't the have visual. to wear any clothes. It's wonderful. <laughs> I miss the visual cues uh, as when people are talking, but when it's just three of us, I, I feel like we have a sense yeah, of we're good. when we're it's good. time to talk and when not to. <laughs> and we have no, uh, no choice anyways, because uh, as of January 1st, Douchebag Microsoft is going to cut it all off anyway. So (laughs) we'll be back after this quick break, folks. Hey, Paul. This is Orson Scott Card. I thought I was the book guy. Now I find out you're the book guy. What am I? Oh, I guess I'm just the author of Ender's Game. Okay. Hi, this is Colin Ferguson. I play Sheriff Jack Carter on Eureka, and you're listening to the book guys. Book guys, we're back. Book guys, <laughs> with Bill Meeks from Meeks Mix Media. Yes, indeed. How the tongue twisty name that everybody loves. 
<laughs> that drives the girls insane. Actually. I love the alliteration on mix mix media. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think I've mentioned on the show before. My wife actually came up with it, and I thought it was I thought it was catchy. I thought it was peppy, and I thought it would make people have to pronounce it two or three times in a row to get it right, and yeah. so they'd remember it. <laughs> and, and you know what? If, if if you ever get really huge, you can just call it three M. I, you know, I, I, I was thinking 3M, and then I found out there's some other little small company out there that, that has has the 3M thing sewn yeah. up. So. Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing took it first. But uh, Mix Mix Media, you guys do some great stuff. Uh, so we're, so we're going to talk about – and we were just talking in the break. And, you know, I, I hate spoiling good content. I, I just – I said I said to Bill, I said, hey, Bill, you know what? You should think about you know doing audio for this uh, book. <laughs> and uh, then, then I informed Paul that, uh, oh, for the past 11 weeks, I've been releasing audio for this book. And then yeah. I said, you should tweet me that. And he said. <laughs> I've been tweeting it for the past 11 weeks, sometimes twice a week, Paul. And you just haven't been <laughs> listening. You just don't care. Uh, it's, not, it's not that I don't, don't care, Bill. It just went out the, the, the whole the stream on, on Twitter for me is uh, you know 17,000 followers. So I very rarely check my stream because... Literally, it moves at like twenty kilometers an hour. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you you got to put at Paul the book guy in, in the tweet, and I I'll definitely read it. I read every single one of those. My phone rings. Uh, so tell us where can we get the audio for this? This is great. Uh, say, same website as the book. Go to dogboyadventures.com. Hold on, let me look at it to make sure I'm not lying okay. to you. But I'm pretty sure that I'm talking really slow, so I can get there. Yeah, if you go to dogboyadventures.com, right up at the top, there's a link that says podcast. And while more recent episodes, uh, well, the most recent episode and then episodes continuing on from here on out until about February are going to be. I don't know, interviews with me about the book. I'm going to talk to the illustrator, the cover nice. art illustrator for the book and everything. But the first 10 episodes were uh, chapters of the book. Yeah, uh, it's a 20-chapter book, and there's 10 chapters done in audiobook form where I do all the voices nice. and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty fun. And I, I, it was done from the, the third draft, which uh, – there was one more draft uh, in between the time I recorded the podcast because it's all recorded already and, uh, you know, what came out in store. So, you know, you might notice some grammatical errors. There might be some lines that uh, aren't in the actual book. But, yeah, it's fun. And, uh, you know, who knows what these characters sound like if not the author, right? <laughs> That's right. I, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Now, now, Bill, I was telling you that, you know, for me, uh, a print book – I would say no. I would say a digital book for me is like the last one I'll read because I'm rarely holding a tablet, and mm -hmm. uh, with my bad eyesight, you know, holding a tablet is uh, and reading it for too long is kind of hard in the eyes. So usually I'll go out and get the physical book, and even yeah. then, a physical book, I've got thirty of them here in in line that I got to read <laughs> next. Uh, and to me, the audio format is really the ideal format for someone like myself who's so busy during the day uh, and uh -huh. at night. That uh, I feel my dead time, not my dead time, but my uh, time where I can listen to something. I fill it every day with six or seven hours of audio. I, I consume podcasts and audio books, and I mean, I, I oh, did yeah. en Ender's Game on a on a Saturday evening, you know, Saturday no, so a Saturday afternoon, mm -hmm. you know, while doing the laundry, you know. Oh yeah, I, I'm very much the same way, you know. I mean, even just you know during the workday, you know, I I edit video and make videos for a living. 
And I always have either an audio book or a podcast or something playing in the background. It's just, it, 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 it makes them, it's the most efficient use of time. Says the guy who has a printed book here for people to read. <laughs> Don't read my book because you know what? It's a waste of time. <laughs> uh, hey, hey, listen, uh, one of the things we're going to be doing, and I'm glad that you want to be a little bit of a part of this, is uh, mm-hmm. I've had this unfinished novel for years. And I probably mm-hmm. thought of it, I think I thought of it when I was about 12, uh, listening to Douglas Adams, uh, mm-hmm. The Hitchhiker's Guide. And it's been brewing since then. And I'm glad that you want to be a part of it uh, as a voice and, and whatever. But uh, one thing I found, Bill, man, is it so much easier to write an audio drama than to write a novel with all the descriptive, you know? <laughs> yeah, you just put it in the dialogue, you know. Oh, look at that radioactive dog there he's <laughs> making the entire room glow instead of being like in the light dripped off the wall right. <laughs> <laughs> right so so i'm i'm converting this unfinished novel and and like literally five pages becomes one page of audio book script you know audio drama mm-hmm. script and you know the audio drama script is uh like everything's tabbed over to the side right so you only get like a minute i, I figured it out now that's about a minute per page you know mm-hmm. So yeah, it's 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 funny funny you mentioned that because uh, you know and obviously I'm bringing this back to my book. I apologize. It's been a major focus. Hey, hey, <laughs> but, shameless but, uh, self promotion is what we're all about here at the Book Guys Show, my friend. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. have no but shame. It, it, That's why they call it shameless. <laughs> but it's kind of a it was kind of a reverse process because, like I said, basically what I did is I took that screenplay I wrote in 2005 and used it as an outline to write the novel from. So while you were taking your unfinished novel and condensing it down <laughs> into a script, I took a screenplay and expanded it out into a novel. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Maybe you could expand mine into a novel. <laughs> you know what? You finished the audio drama, and uh, then I will uh, I, I'll, uh, write the adaptation, the, the adaptation the of the audio drama. The novelization, yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so let me take a little quick break here to tell everybody about it. Um, the story is called The Traveler. Right now, I think it's going to be three or four episodes of 38 minutes in length, which Orson Scott Card uh, told us that um, 19 minutes is a half hour because, you know, uh, commercials. <laughs> so, so we wanted to format it so that it, maybe one day the BBC or, or you know, CBC or someone... Uh, would want to air, air it, so we had to put it in a format where it would make sense. And and I love cliffhangers. You know, Bill, the old uh, Doctor Who's. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that was my yeah. favorite part of the Doctor Who's. You know, the old Flash Gordon audios was the cliffhanger. So mm-hmm. uh, someone told me, well, you can always change the length later. No, no, I can't because the cliffhanger is the most important part. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so I have to time this right. Is I I I, I uh, emailed uh, Gabrielle the de, de Cure or De Queer. We're not sure how to pronounce her last name. Uh, who, who, it's, it's a point of controversy, <laughs> I've heard. Who directed and produced uh, Ender's Game Alive and all the all so far all the Orson Scott Card uh, audio books, and um, she consulted Orson. And he said, "Well, you know, it's yeah, it's nineteen minutes, so we're gonna do one hour episodes, which is of course thirty eight minutes." Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got you down, Bill, as the android, the the excellent so far unnamed android. And we did discuss before the show that we want maybe sound like a, a cyber. Can you do a little Cyberman voice? Come on, Bill. 
Uh, oh, you, you know what? I was doing my imitation off of yours. You have to do it for me, and then I can do it for you. Yeah, I mean, the original Cyberman from Mundas, you know, the, the classic, you must come with us, those guys. Well, I can do that voice possibly. <laughs> Perfect. S- something around there? Yeah, there we go. Uh, cut and print. Perfect. <laughs> so, uh, so far, we've got I'm myself. I'm excited. Yourself. Actually. Uh, these are the folks who are committed. Father Robert Balliser, the Padre from Twit, uh, Sir Jimmy, a gentleman named Bob Hops, former police officer, Kevin Lawler, the Irishman himself, Scott McKenzie, another No Agenda Knight uh, from Britain. He's going to play Jeeves, who is the nice. British, uh, <laughs> British avatar in the Traveler device. Uh, yourself, Professor Alan Middleton, comedian, not only comedian, comedian, but uh, teacher of comedy, Bobby Oliver, has been so nice to donate her voice, not only her voice, but she's also going to uh, take my uh, finished scripts and add a little bit more comedy. Because although I can throw in one or two, three jokes, she's the expert. <laughs> you know? she, she's going to punch it up. Yeah, she's going to kick it up a notch. Uh, <laughs> Seth Resler, uh, podcast man and uh, just overall talented person going to join us. And of course... Jeff Smith, the musician himself, the man who did the theme song that goes behind your brilliant uh, animated work for the book guys. Uh, also, <laughs> he's on iTunes. Check out Jeff Smith, G-E-O-F-F Smith. Uh, you know, he's got the songs Gravity oh, so and all these other great stuff. Rose, great songs. Spelled like G-Off. Uh, G-Off. Uh, he's going <laughs> to not only play uh, a couple of roles in the, uh, in the audio drama, he's also producing original theme songs, uh, some some of the incidental music and whatnot. And he, I was talking to him today. And he's, he's so awesome. He's like, dude, man, 38 minutes an episode. Is it going to be like classic who, you know, <laughs> do I have to write like 38 minutes of episode per episode? I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> no, it's not going to be that much music. Because you, you remember, Bill, the old classic who. There was music running for the whole show. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's donating his time uh, as well. So we're all over the world, really. It's not just North America. Some of these people are not in North America. You know, they're in Europe. Uh, so just a big conglomeration of talented people donating their time. Uh, hopefully my story is good enough to justify all of you giving up your time. And we will be releasing them for free on patiobooks.com, iTunes for a limited time for everyone, and eventually we'll put it up somewhere else. Now, Bill, have you, uh, have you thought of putting yours on uh, patiobooks.com as well? Well, see, actually, uh, if you listen to the first three or four chapters, I say uh, Dog Boy, Den of Thieves by Bill Meeks, a patio book. And then the next couple of episodes, I say, do people even use the word patio book anymore? And then I switch <laughs> it to audiobook. I looked at patio book, but they said you have to have the entire thing released for a novel or, you know, an audiobook. Before they'll put it up there, yeah. I, I, I'm assuming it's different for an audio they, drama. They didn't, that, uh, they didn't used to have that. They didn't used to have that rule, but mm-hmm. they found that some people were putting up episode one, and, and then not doing anything yeah. else. So just for the sake of their listener, and I understand why they did this, because uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people put up episode one and two, you know, yeah. uh, intending to put up ten episodes, and then. Mm-hmm. The listeners got the shaft, right? <laughs> so, oh yeah, well, and I mean, as soon, as soon as I have all the episodes out, which originally was going to be in December, but then I decided to do half and half, uh, like half before the <coughs> release, half after. Yeah, 
Yeah, so after after the whole thing's out, I'll definitely put it up there. Yeah, so uh, so sure. to be clear, they they don't make you put them all up at once. It's not like Netflix where they they want you to release the whole series at once. They will allow you to do a weekly release, but mm-hmm. you have to upload all the whole entire finished story before they'll start your weekly release timing. Oh, so like you have to the clue in that you have every all the material yeah. up there ready to go, which yeah. actually I do. So I should probably look back into. You that, should probably huh? look back into it because they do allow you to do a weekly release. I know uh, Scott Sigler, who's uh, doing very well. He started with mm-hmm. Patio Books, and he's very uh, he's a very famous now uh, uh, traditionally published author. Well, yeah, I hung out with him uh, in Atlanta a couple months ago for DragonCon. He was he was down there hanging out with Justin and Justin Robert Young and Brian. What's he, what's he like in person? We've we've had him on the show, and he just seems like a class act. Oh yeah, he's a he, he he's a real nice guy. From what I got to talk to him, I didn't get to talk to him a lot, but real nice guy for sure. And I I know he loves Brian and Justin, so he he's good. Oh in my nice, book. yeah. No, he he yeah, he's been on their show. He's been on uh, Sword and Laser with Tom and Sword Veronica, and Laser, which I also did the animated intros for, which is coming back. Did you see that? No way. The the, <laughs> the, the video show for Sword and Laser is coming back. It's uh it's going to uh. They they kickstarted it and it you know it funded in like two days or whatever so they're gonna do I think it's eight or ten episodes of of the show with the old nice. set and the old dragon because oh, I, I, I missed that oh yeah me too I, I I tuned into it every week and it wasn't just because I did the animated intros and all the incidental graphics and everything like that it was it, it was a great show especially like they had Le- Levar Burton on there which was really fun. For sure, and uh, what what's his name? Oh, take I a look. look; it's in a book. <laughs> and then Paul Cornell, who's a who's a novelist, but he's also a he he was writing for DC Comics a lot of the time, uh, and he did a series called uh, Night and Squire, which was basically the British Batman and Robin, yeah. which was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was the most British D- comic book DC Comics has ever put out. And I you loved know, we, it. we've had Tom and and Tom a few times on the show, and Veronica as well. And uh, they're just class acts. They're just nice people. Oh, for sure. Love their for show. Sure. Um, I listen all the time, Sword and Laser. And I really enjoyed the video show. And mm-hmm. uh, it would be nice to see it come back, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm, I'm very excited. I, I, I wish I, I knew the uh, address for their Kickstarter, but just go to Kickstarter and search for Sword and Laser. They're still, it's still open, so they're doing stretch goals and stuff like that. I would definitely recommend checking it out. I, I knew uh, Veronica and I were kindred spirits when I said, Suck it, Trebek. And, and she came out, like, not even a split second later, she said, suck it long, suck it hard. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's, that's Veronica all over. Right that's there. Veronica all over. Uh, great show, folks. If you like uh, sword, fantasy books, or laser, science fiction, sword and laser, uh, go to iTunes, check it out. Uh, they were on the Twit now. I think they're, they're apart from Twit now, but they're... Well, so, they so were never with still... Twit. They were with uh, Felicia Day's yeah, you're right. uh, yes, Geek yes, and yes. Sundry Geek Network. And sundry. Yes, you're right. You're right. Geek and but Sundry. The audio component of the podcast has always been uh, via Scott Johnson's Frog Pants Network. Yes. So. Yes. Yeah, so but the, the video show will be going independent. Fantastic. So. Can't wait to see that. Huh. So the book is out. We're going to do an audio drama together. Hey, I got to say, Bill. Audio books are great, but audio dramas are so much better. The theater of the mind. Oh, now, for sure. I, I well, I mean, I I don't know if I ever told you this, Paul, but I mean, I was basically raised listening to old time radio <laughs> dramas and comedies like uh, 
Well, obviously, Superman, Batman, those old serial or radio dramas. Where, where did you and, grow and, up as a kid? Which, which city? I all over. Honestly, I, yeah. I grew. Well, I was born and raised uh, for the most part in a little town called Katy, Texas, which is right outside okay. of Houston. See, I, I, I grew it, up as a, as a child uh, listening. It was a syndicated show, so you might have had it in your town. Uh, every Sunday night, we would start off the evening with Doctor Demento. Doctor, I, I am not familiar with Dr. Demento from when I was a kid, but I caught up. <laughs> when I became a fan of Weird Al and heard about Dr. Demento, I was like, okay, so, I got to backtrack. Yeah, and- but Dr. Demento, he's gone to like a monthly pay subscription thing. He, he really doesn't get the whole internet thing. You know, yeah. he, people aren't going to pay 10 bucks a month to, to listen to one audio show a week. But yeah, he's going to be another Tom Green. But, but he had all, all, the, all the comedy uh, segments and comedy. He basically made Weird Al Yankovic who he is today. Who, by oh, the way, I sure. met. I met in the '90s. Uh, just a, Al is just a great guy, and I, and I got to meet him and have a beer with him out of character. And he's just a class act. But uh, hey, Paul, you know what's really weird? If I have the same story. No way. Well, I was, yeah. I, I was working at yeah. YTV, which was a youth television in Toronto when I was still doing the the whole television thing uh, as a oh, it was a, I was a prop prop master. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he just came in and he, just him out of character. What a class act. But he could put the wig on and just instantly he was weird Al, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like I, it, my, my story is basically he came into, uh, I uh, went to high school and college in a little town in West Virginia called Wheeling. Okay. And he came to play the, uh, the uh, Capitol Music Hall there. And after I went to the show, and then afterwards I was hanging out uh, over on the side of the building, having because I smoked cigarettes back then, having a cigarette. And he he came out and he uh, brought us up onto his bus, and we sat around for a few minutes and chatted and everything. And like you said, you know, very amiable, and I mean, just a really smart guy to yeah. talk to. To yeah. like just the intelligence oozed off of him. So so there was this half hour show, Doctor Demento. Uh, put together all these silly songs and little comedy bits, you know, Bill Cosby and all that stuff. And then after that, it was, you were listening to Theater of the Mind. And they, <laughs> and they would, some weeks it would be, uh, you know, a Green Lantern, mm-hmm. you know, or, or it would be a Green Hornet, mm-hmm. you know, or the Shadow. Who knows where the Shadow is? It was great. Oh, yeah, I used to yeah, – I've listened to a ton of episodes of The Shadow. And even even the comedy programs like uh, Abbott and Costello, Baby Snooks, uh, <laughs> Jack Benny, all that kind of stuff, I I, I grew up on that too. Uh, W.C. <laughs> w. Fields' old radio show, I loved, 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 loved. Uh, what, what was Life with Father, nice. I think it was. <laughs> it was also really good too. Uh, those, some of those are great, but you know, the, the old classics, you know, the – the mm-hmm. poorly recorded ones with everyone spoke like this. Um, yeah. See, I, I listened to a lot of them <laughs> off of uh, little cassette tapes. My grandfather had, he had a ton of cassette tapes with old radio programs and all of them started with this program was recorded before the advent of high fidelity. You may have noticed some crackles <laughs> and pops in the audio. Don't you know, be you know, concerned. Folks, it, it is not your tape player. Hey, you it is what, an artifact. Of if our folks at home, Bill, even technology. yourself, if you can afford it, uh, I mean, uh, some of these classic ones, uh, we, said, we, we talked with Harlan Zink, who used to be part of RadioArchives.com, and what they do is they uh, digitally remaster a lot of those. Ooh. That's like fun. the old Doc Savage, who was probably mm-hmm. the first superhero ever on the air. Oh. 
yeah, like Doc uh, Superman owes a tremendous debt of gratitude to Doc Savage. Absolutely, for sure. absolutely. The really strong, smart guy at the top of the Empire State Building, Doc Savage. <laughs> and uh, what, what Radio Archives, I believe is .com or .org, folks, you got to check which one. The one that doesn't have weird porno ads, that's the right one. <laughs> uh, but, but they digitally remaster all these things, make them clear as a bell. It's unbelievable. Um, but back then, you know, you know that whole accent, hey, we are talking about Doc Savage. Mm -hmm. I, oh, found, yeah. I found out that wasn't even a real accent. You know the old movies where they all had that accent? Because there, there was hey so there, buddy. yeah, there were so many different accents across the United States and the world that they came up with this original accent just for Hollywood. Yeah, so well, well, literally, no one spoke like that other than actors actually would train to, to their voice to to be able to speak this Hollywood accent. Well, <laughs> so see, the, no the, one the actually walked down the street and talked like this, Jimmy. Oh, where is Superman? <laughs> the the way I understood it was a lot of the financiers and stuff who came from the Northeast and all it, like the hoity-toity Northeast states like uh, Vermont and Maine and all that they they all came from there out to Hollywood and they kind of so basically the Hollywood accent became a mishmash of all those Northeastern accents and kind of like smooth. It was like a hybrid, yeah. It was like a, a made-up hybrid of all the different, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I believe I, I I remember I remember spending a couple days on it in vocal training class when I was in college, but I can't remember more than what I just said. I was having a conversation with someone who, who's a sort of a amateur, uh, you know, expert in all this, and uh, he was talking about the the upcoming Doctor Who again. Here we go. So you know, <laughs> there's been mentions of the Doctor. Having at some point married uh, Elizabeth the First, Queen Elizabeth. Yes, yes. And uh, the actress uh, who will close, cover your ears, Bill. The okay. actress who will or may or may not be playing uh, Queen Elizabeth the First in the fiftieth um, had an issue. She said, "Well, I'm not. I don't have a very. She's Welsh. She said, I don't have a very hoity-toity, you know, <laughs> British accent." And uh, the person uh, in charge of, uh, I guess, continuity or whatever said, listen, in Queen Elizabeth's time, she sounded more like an American, like a, a U.S. citizen than a British person. Because most people think that, uh, you know, the Americans changed their accent to say, screw yeah. you, England. It's more <laughs> that it's, it's actually the reverse. The English said, screw you, Americans. We're changing our accent. You Interesting. Know? So, uh, uh before the United States, you know, uh, 1776 and all that, the, the British spoke like Americans did. And once the, uh -huh. the you know, the, those, uh, you know, hoity-toity uh, uppity colonists, you know, <laughs> broke <laughs> away and became the United States of America, uh, that's basically when the, uh, the British accent morphed. Uh, you know, being an island, it morphs, of course, but uh, it morphed yeah. into what it is now. So the, the American, your accent... And even my accent as a Canadian, it resembles the, uh, the, the, you know, the 1600s uh, British accent more than what their accent now does. So, oh, that's very interesting. You, have, have you ever thought like living on a smaller landmass like they do, it might just be easier as far as like culture and things are concerned, like cultural movements, it seems like they would move a lot faster. Yeah, on a smaller you, know, you would think so, right? Because like there's no no border crossings like like uh, you know uh, Europe, 
the the accents are crazy because there's all these border crossings at the time, right? Yeah. Before the mm-hmm. Euro, so you know, uh, you know, but uh, but then again, I've met a people in 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 Poland. I've been in Poland and uh, on the border of um, Germany, and as close you get to the border, they all sound the same. You know, this, this person is speaking Polish but with a German accent. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so. Give us again your website address. Where can we find the book? Uh, where can we find the audio? Is it still out? The audio, or have you pulled it down? Oh yeah, the the, the audio is still out. I all I did was I updated uh, some of the pictures of some of the characters with uh, artwork from the the uh, cover art artist that I I paid to uh, make the cover art for it instead of the kind of Photoshop composites and cartoony versions I had up there. Yeah. Uh, but the the website uh, where you can get also the audiobook as well as links to buy the uh, either ebook or paperback copy of the book is at uh, dogboyadventures.com and if you want to go just to Amazon and just order the book it's bit.ly slash dogboybook. Now I have to ask you a question. If the recording of the the traveler audio dramas go well with mm-hmm. all this assembled cast and talented musicians would you consider dog boy adventures as an audio drama instead of an audio book i would not only consider it paul i would demand it <laughs> i would demand it of all of you give me all your free time to bring my imagination to life <laughs> please so so this all came about uh, bill because i i was listening to one of our uh, it was an old episode of Book Guys, and and I had my uh, I have an HTC One now. I have an Android phone and a decent pair of headphones. And uh-huh. I was sitting there, and I had just finished uh, listening to an audio drama, and I was listening to one of our episodes, and I was trying to find something in the episode, and I said, you know what, the audio quality isn't that bad. You know, yeah, okay, as an audio file, I I know there's a little bit of a hum or hiss in the background, especially when we have like five people on, right? Because we've got, oh, yeah. I've got an audio limiter. So if I sit still, zero audio comes out of my microphone. But, you know, most of the people I'm talking like Sir Jimmy and Professor Allen, they've got a like $20 mic, right? <laughs> but still, the audio hum in the back isn't that bad. And I, and I was sitting there thinking, you know what? If I had audio background, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if you're in the, if, if the, the scene takes place in the city, there's cars going by, you know, and people talking in the background and trees sway in the wind. I thought, you know what? Well, we could probably do an audio drama. You know, I, I think an audio drama is easier to do via Skype than uh, like an audio book because you, know, you need that silence, right? You need a perfect dead silence, uh, especially with Audible. Yeah. They're very picky about their audio. But, you know, with audio drama, like you and I talking right now, if I put audio in the background of, you know, cars driving by, <laughs> we're good. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be great, Dog Boy Adventures. <laughs> How long is the uh, audio uh, uh, book version of uh, Dog Boy? More or less. Uh, the whole the whole thing runs about six hours. What's up right now runs about uh, two fifteen, two and a half, something like that. And uh, what's what's so, the uh, what's the era of Dog Boy? Uh, I have, folks, full disclosure, I haven't read it yet. I, you know what? I'm going to download the audio book yeah. as soon as we're off the air here. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it's actually set in the modern day, but I, my, uh, cover artist, Paul Loudon, uh, which, uh, you can go check out his website, paulloudon.com, very talented guy. Uh, but he, he actually thought initially, cause he, re- he went 
I hadn't read through the whole book. He thought it was set in the 60s until someone showed up with a cell phone. <laughs> uh, so so it, it set in the modern well, it's set in the modern day, but kind of a timeless gray area too. Okay. I, I I will say that where this book definitely has a very serious uh, you know, six fifties, sixties, seventies undertones. The next book is going to have a lot of 80s undertones, and I'm going to leave it at that. You know what? I'm not going to leave it at that. The name of the next Dog Boy book, Dog Boy New Wave. I'll, I'll announce it on your podcast, Paul, because <laughs> I like you. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, so six-hour audio book. We could probably trim that down to, uh, like, just from you know my experience <sighs> converting a, a novel to audio drama, that would probably be like a three-hour audio book, uh, audio drama. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I could definitely I could definitely point out to like two plot lines in the book that could be cut for an audio drama yeah. version too. So. See, the inspiration for mine was uh, when I when I listened to um, Ender's Game Alive, and just uh, Orson Scott Card's plot device of people watching the footage of what's going on and explaining it. I said, "Brilliant! That's brilliant!" <laughs> so I have I have characters already. Uh, in in my book, they're called the the Watch. They live in the Watchtower, which is a space station that watches over all of our galaxy. And I said, "Perfect! I've got the Watchmen already. They're watching everything." Mm-hmm. So uh, scenes that couldn't be explained in audio drama, they could sit there and watch and explain. You know, have a conversation about what's happening because you can't say. And Jimmy picked up the cup, and it tasted <laughs> like poop. And he vomited. You can't do that. Like <laughs> Jimmy's got to pick it up and and do it all right in in, in audio. It's 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 hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know uh, how hard it would be to do Dog Boy Adventures as an audio drama, but uh, we definitely have a skilled and talented strike force. You put of- together the team, Paul. <laughs> this I've got it. the content. <laughs> After we get your content out of the way, it's going to be great. Yeah, we're going to do episode one and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to keep that going. And then uh, we'll talk about Dog Boy Adventure. That'd be great because this is fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, and I mean, uh, creating story, you know, just being involved in that whole process is always fun, no matter, regardless of the role. And I mean, I'm very excited about being able to voice an android. I mean, I've always <laughs> wanted to voice a character with no emotion because, as we all know, I'm a sociopath and have no emotion myself. <laughs> so <laughs> it should work out great. <laughs> Uh, my friend, it's been a lot of fun talking to you. It's been a lot of fun going back to the audio format. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone just seems to feel more comfortable and chatting. The yeah, audio. I didn't get a, have to get all dressed up or anything. I didn't put any clothes yeah. on at all. It's I've got great. no pants on right now. <laughs> I have nothing on. I, I have less than nothing on. I actually <laughs> shaved off the top layer of my skin to be as naked as possible for this recording. So. Uh, good times, my friend. And that's when we hit this jingle here. Bill Meeks, Meeks Mixed Media. Thanks for joining us, buddy. Uh, I can't wait Thank to sit you. down for a table read with you to do the uh, audio drama and uh, Dog Boy Adventures. Excellent. And folks, I know we've been on a hiatus, but we'll see you next week. Same Thank book you. time. Book same book listeners. channel. Book Guide Show will return next week. Same book time, same book channel. And that's Jeff Gurner on our end theme, and hopefully he'll join us for the audio drama as well. Excellent.